Lutherans in the UK, Living Grace. This podcast is a joint venture of the Council of Lutheran Churches, or CLC, here in Great Britain. In these regular installments, we hope to inform, entertain, and inspire you with stories, music, coming attractions, and all manner of content from the many Lutherans who populate this island. In this episode, we explore the unique Lutheran identity, as well as celebrate 60 years of one of our CLC partners, the Lutheran Church in Great Britain. We set the stage by diving headlong into a question which our podcast team were almost afraid to ask, but knew that we couldn't avoid. What exactly is a Lutheran? But first, here's CLC General Secretary Anna Kraus with a fun Lutheran fact to get us thinking. The answer will be revealed at the end of this broadcast. The term Lutheran is obviously derived from Martin Luther's family name. But do you know who first used the name and why? If someone asked you, what is a Lutheran, how would you answer? What is a Lutheran? I don't know. What? <laughs> Lutheran. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. No. Lutheran? Yes. I don't know. What is a Lutheran? <laughs> What's a what? Lutheran. What's a loser? Lutheran. I can give you a hint. It's connected with religion. Ah, but it'll be a Bible. No, we don't, we, don't, we don't believe in religion. Religion, it makes war. I have no idea, Lutheran. But if you think about name Luther, does it say anything? Lutheran is a Luther, Luther Martin. That is correct name. Yeah. And? And, and which, which Martin Luther? They were... American m- president. Uh, well, Luther King. that was the freedom fighter, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. But he is not the one to which refers the term Lutheran. <laughs> it goes more back in history, like 500 years ago. Yeah, Martin Luther King is uh, one of the Catholic. Uh, he changed uh, the separate of uh, church. The Christianity is changed start uh, from that day, I believe. What's what? Lutheran. I don't know. But if you think about a uh, surname Luther, does it say anything? Luther, is, is it that a singer? The Luther a singer? <laughs> there you go, Luther Vandross. <laughs> I'm not old enough to know that, you see. But 500 years ago, lived a man like Martin Luther, does that say anything? King. I think you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> a king, yeah. Um, Martin Luther King was mm, more recent than 500 years ago. <laughs> We're not very good. Uh, I think I failed this question. <laughs> <laughs> well, but if I give you a hint, religion, Martin Luther, does that say anything? No, no, sorry. No, no. Reformation, Catholic Church, does that say anything? No, no. <laughs> Failed again. <laughs> Lutheran? I don't know. Lutheran? Uh, something referring to Luther, <laughs> is it? I don't know much about Luther. 
But if you think about Luther, who was he? He was Luther. <laughs> Luther. Luther, like the TV show. <laughs> no? Martin Luther King. <laughs> Martin Luther King. Yeah, but I think he got his name from the historic Martin Luther. Protestant geezer. Uh, what did he do? He was like, enough of this Catholicism. <laughs> Too much stuff going on in the church. Strip it all down. Is that him? No? Yeah? Nice. Yeah. So, so what is a Lutheran? Someone who subscribes to Martin Luther's teaching. Pardon? A Lutheran. What is a Lutheran? I don't know what that is. But do you know name Luther? Luther. Luther. Do you mean a loser like? Like someone who lost. <laughs> <laughs> but Martin Luther does say oh, anything? Martin Luther King, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know Martin Luther King, yeah. Yes, that's good. But uh, do you know Martin Luther who lived 500 years ago? 500 years ago? Did he live 500 years ago? No, not he, but someone else whose name was Martin Luther lived 500 years ago. No, I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. Who is he? He was uh, someone who reformed uh, the church. Oh, the church. What did he do? Well, he was critical about some teachings in the Catholic Church and, and um, well, he, he started the Reformation. Oh, can you elaborate more? I want to hear it. Goodness sake. Lutheran <laughs> is a Christian religion. It's 400 years ago. Separate from Catholic Church. Lutheran made Christianity more simple, more understanding for ordinary people. For instance, language was, every language was uh, yeah. used in court um, services and so on. What is a Lutheran? <laughs> um, a Lutheran is uh, a Christian who follows Jesus with help of Martin Luther. Lutheranism is the main religion in Finland and that's why um, people who believe in Jesus Christ are Lutherans in Finland. It means me everything what Christian religion means me. This is a religion where we are accepted as we are, not regarding any any face or position, social position, you as you are. That's it. And it means to me the possibility to deepen my my uh, relationship with Bible and uh, search for the core things there and leave the unnecessary things aside. So the question is, what is a Lutheran? My family is Swedish, so I know we come from a Lutheran church at one point. Uh, but I, I don't know the difference between Lutheran and other ones necessarily. But I do know that the few times that I've visited Lutheran churches, they're very familiar. And that's somewhere that I feel like, oh, I know how to practice this faith. Versus if I go like Southern Baptist, I have no idea what I'm doing there. Or when I first started going to a C of E, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. A Lutheran is a branch of Christianity. Uh, 
where they study the Bible. There's more of a focus on Bible than on traditional Christian, like in the high churches, in the Anglican tradition or in the Roman Catholic tradition. Um, they might wear grey robes if they are in monastery, Lutheran monastery, maybe? That's all I know. <laughs> what is a Lutheran? A Lutheran is a Christian who um, belongs to the Lutheran church. I think someone who cares about like the poor and the downtrodden because Luther, that's who Luther was, you know, petitioning and arguing for and standing up for was, you know, he was standing up for people who, you know, when the Catholic Church was taking advantage of the poor, of poor people through, you know, being a Lutheran is, is you know, standing up for what is right and interceding and helping those who are less fortunate. A Lutheran is somebody who believes in um, salvation through grace uh, and follows the teachings of Martin Luther, the thoughts of Martin Luther, basically. Someone who follows the teachings of Martin Luther. So a Lutheran is a Christian who believes that we're saved by grace, first and foremost. Okay, so some of those last answers were actual Lutherans, so they might have had an advantage. But this leads to another question. Exactly who do we Lutherans think that we are? To shed some light on this, Anna goes directly to the source. I'm now talking to Anna Burkett, the new General Secretary of the Lutheran World Federation. It's a great honor to have you with us. And we will ask you a few questions around the theme of Lutheran identity. What for you does it mean to be Lutheran? And what distinguishes a Lutheran identity from other identities? Well, first of all, hello to everybody and thank you for this invitation to your question. For me, uh, one of the central Lutheran identity markers is the understanding of the centrality of Jesus Christ, to put Christ in the center, and centrality of God's grace and love towards human beings. Uh, and this is often referred to as the doctrine of justification, which is, in my opinion, one of the gifts that Lutherans have brought to the broader Christian community understanding that a Christian is at the same time both justified and a sinner is an important insight that has impacted Lutheran thinking and theology and reminds us of the constant need to avoid self-righteousness. Uh, further, I have always found Lutheran dialectical approach very helpful. This means uh, bringing two opposites together, such as law and gospel, again, simulius to set peccator, etc. And uh, I believe that uh, thinking in such categories helps us to have a somewhat more differentiating thinking, which is not too black and white, as you constantly need to bring two opposites together. Uh, the principle of priesthood of all believers is certainly something that uh, can, on the one hand, be seen as part of um, Lutheran tradition, 
But on the other hand, um, it is something that unites us with um, all mainline Protestant churches as well. And there are, of course, many uh, more things to be mentioned, such as strong emphasis that Lutheran tradition has always put on education, but also the whole tradition of choral music, for instance, um, last but not least with composers such as Johann Sebastian Bach and others. When we think about Lutheranism and ask that question, we very often talk about the nice things that Lutheranism has brought to the world or that we feel is really great about Lutheranism. But could you maybe also say what you think is maybe not so good about Lutheranism? To me, there are uh, two things uh, that could be mentioned here. One thing is the fact that historically, Lutheranism has in some parts of Europe been seen as supporting uh, nationalism. And uh, this has probably twofold uh, historical roots. On the one hand, the very close connection in the past between the state and the church in Scandinavia, as well as in Germany. And on the other hand, uh, the question how Lutheran teaching of two regiments or two kingdoms has been understood historically. Uh, so the usual understanding was often that the state has to deal with politics and church just somehow goes along with it. And the church's main task is to deal only with spiritual matters and they are to be kept uh, separate. And this might have certain advantages in certain contexts, but in the context of uh, today's democratic societies, we need to ask who is actually the state. So isn't it uh, actually also us as Christians, as Christian citizens, who need to bring the Christian voice to the public space and to help to promote Christian uh, or human dignity and, uh, and not to hide behind our walls? So um, I think this would be my answer to this question. And um, the last question is that I sometimes encounter in an ecumenical context, how can we strive for ecumenical unity and communion with other churches, but at the same time keep our Lutheran identity intact or what we perceive to be the truth um, about the gospel? Uh, well, the Lutheran World Federation likes to emphasize that being Lutheran is to be ecumenical. And uh, in fact, if we look back at the history, one could say that uh, the Lutheran World Federation exists thanks to the ecumenical movement, because Lutheran churches used to exist more or less as monadic entities, as silos, so to say, until uh, 1920s, when on the initiative of Nathan Söderblom, the Swedish uh, archbishop who was very active in ecumenical movement, uh, the first Lutheran World Convention convened in Eisenach, and uh, the initiative for convening this World Convention, which can actually be seen as one of the predecessors of the Lutheran World Federation, which was founded in 1947, uh, it was clearly inspired by the emerging ecumenical movement. And also Lutheran confessional writings of a very ecumenically open understanding uh, of the church. If we look at um, Augsburg Confession, for instance, which uh, says in its seventh article that the church is there where the gospel is rightly preached and the sacraments duly administered. But um, uh, more concretely, how to actually be ecumenical and keep our Lutheran identity. I personally think that it is um, important to follow the principles of receptive ecumenism 
which means to ask the question, what is it what we can learn from other Christian traditions without giving up some of our basic convictions coming from the Lutheran tradition? And besides, uh, today there is, of course, a lot of discussion going on around the question, um, should we rather talk about um, Lutheran identity or identities? And um, I think there are quite many Lutheran identities when it comes to liturgical traditions, etc. But I'm convinced that there are some theological principles that should continue to shape us. Some of those, what I mentioned earlier, and that should also continue to be the gift of the Lutheran communion to the worldwide Christianity. So I think um, uh, to be Lutheran and to be ecumenical at the same time is always um, at the same time about uh, receiving and giving. Yeah, thank you. These are very nice words to end on. Thank you, Reverend Anna Burkhardt, for taking the time for us today. And we wish you all the best and God's blessing for the very important work you are doing. Thank you. And uh, God's blessing to you as well and, um, and to the Lutheran Church in the UK. Lutherans in the UK. Living Grace. The Reverend Anne Burkhardt assumes the role of Lutheran World Federation General Secretary in November. Estonian-born pastor and theologian Reverend Burkhardt is also married to a Lutheran pastor, and they have two children. We've heard something about the unique place which Lutherans occupy in the world. Now, a former bishop from one of our member churches further reflects on the special gift that Lutherans and our approach to the gospel have to offer. Hello, my name is Jana Jerma Greenberger. I was the second bishop of the Lutheran Church in Great Britain, Following on from my predecessors, Dean Robert Patkai, recently deceased and much missed, and my immediate predecessor, Bishop Walter Jagutski. We are each given glimpses of heaven from time to time. To some extent, of course, this is the story of the Christian life. We have mountaintop experiences which uplift and strengthen us, and allow us also to see where the road ahead lies. Some of my most vivid experiences, or better perhaps, times that have prefigured the kingdom of heaven here on earth, have been within the Lutheran Church in Great Britain. So worship services where people from all parts of the world were taking part, singing Lutheran hymns alongside one another, an aristocratic British woman holding the hand of an elderly Guyanese lady and kneeling with her at the communion rail. Bach Vespers, a perfect mix of Lutheran history, music, liturgy and the word of God. The beautiful simplicity of St Luke's in Leeds and the immediacy and exuberance of Swahili worship the pastoral care for students at the International Lutheran Student Centre and a gentle hand of outreach to those in pain through the chaplaincy in Birmingham, in Leicester and other places. Of course, it's true that all churches and communities of faith offer us these glimpses of the divine breaking through to the ordinary humdrum world. But I believe with my whole heart that Lutheranism 
has something very special to offer our brokenness and our sense of disquiet. God's grace, that infinite well from which we drink and do not thirst, justification by faith alone, and the indwelling of Christ within us, moving us towards justice and peace, this is the message that we bring to the world. It is the ultimate in transgressive and inclusive faith. It is a faith that crosses boundaries and prejudices, allowing us to see the face of God in each of God's children. Of course, for a small church, involvement in public square theology is a challenge. But through the LCIGB's ecumenical links, the distinctive Lutheran voice that, at its best, speaks truth to power, can make itself heard. Creation and the human race living within it are liberated by God's grace. And in turn, we respond by proclaiming God's word and salvation. So as the Lutheran Church in Great Britain celebrates 60 years of its ministry of faithful hospitality, may God bless each of the memories and all the hopes and dreams that make up this brave, inclusive church. May you continue to offer glimpses of heaven for many years to come. The Lutheran Church in Great Britain is just one member of our CLC family. But as they celebrate a significant anniversary this year, Malus and the Bishop take a look back to the origins of the LCIGB. The Bishop of the Lutheran Church in Great Britain, Durberger Jürgensen, Lutheran Church in Great Britain is now 60 years old. We could say it's a very young church, but 60 years old person would be grown up for sure. How mature is the Lutheran Church in Great Britain? Let me say that I was 15 years when the church was created in 1961. So uh, I have a good remembrance of that year, but not what happened here in the UK because I lived in, in Norway. What I knew about the UK at that time was Cliff Richard and Beatles and uh, that kind of stuff. But it was a very interesting period here in Great Britain because a lot of refugees had come during the war and many of those, especially from the Eastern European countries, were not able to go back to their home countries. Many of them were Lutherans, and the Lutherans around the world, especially in the United States and Sweden, to mention two important countries here, were interested in trying to help them. And therefore there was started an initiative to help refugee, Lutheran refugees here. And out of that developed not only then using their own languages in services and so on, but also wanting to have English-speaking congregations. And four of these English-speaking refugee, let us call them that, congregations came together in a small city called Corby in 1961 and created what they called the United Lutheran Synod in Great Britain. That has later become the... Lutheran Church in Great Britain. So it has an interesting history and uh, you can ask today whether it is uh, still needed a Lutheran presence here in in the UK and uh, the answer to that question according to my understanding is yes it is. 
what is the present situation of the Lutheran Church in Great Britain? Is it big, small? How would you describe it? I would uh, be honest and say it is small and it is vulnerable and it is not a very, what should I say, uh, strong kind of presence. But what is important, I think, that it is giving home to a lot of people with Lutheran tradition behind them and it is also representing a presence of the history of Reformation, which is, I think, very important also here in the UK. And the Anglicans are very kind and expressing that strongly towards us, like they were when we had the Reformation Jubilee, 500 anniversary for the Reformation in 2017. And I think we have something to contribute then here as a separate uh, church. The Lutheran Church in Great Britain does not speak English only. There are many more languages. Yeah, it was a big discussion. When it started, the, the ground was that it should be English-speaking congregation. But uh, due to the situation in the Polish community, especially in uh, the 1980s, uh, it uh, ended up with joining the LCIGB. Uh, there were many Polish congregations they still use their uh, Polish language in the, in the services. And after that, we have also received inputs from uh, both Chinese uh, Lutherans and African Lutherans, especially uh, Swahili-speaking, from Tanzania. So they are a vibrant part of the Lutheran community now. And there is even one Scandinavian congregation in the north, in Liverpool. Yes, that's a very interesting uh, situation because most of the Scandinavian churches, they have their alliance back to their home churches in Norway, Denmark and Sweden. But the Swedish church had many places and big churches, locations where they had continued with uh, uh, seamen church kind of, of work then. But uh, then when the Swedish church had to reorganize themselves, they found out that the church in Liverpool, they don't need it anymore. Uh, so therefore they wanted to quit supporting uh, the work in, in Liverpool. But the people there, they said, no, we want to continue our work in our uh, Gustav Adolf uh, church. And uh, then they applied for membership in the uh, LCIGB and we happily receive them there and they are uh, active members of our church uh, communion now. Bishop Thurberger Jürgensen, I ask you to be the prophet now. What is the, the future of the Lutheran Church in Great Britain? I must say, I've been looking at that myself, uh, trying to find a, an answer to that. What will happen? Will we celebrate our new 60 years in 60 years from now, uh, I'm not quite sure how things will develop. So how much future we have, I am not, uh, I don't know. But what I know is that the message from the Reformation, like it was in the Lutheran tradition, is still needed. Uh, the word of grace, the word of hope, which is so strong in our tradition and the inclusiveness, as I read our Lutheran, the best side of our Lutheran uh, uh, thinking, uh, I would say yes, I hope that we will be present. But how that will look, I don't know. Thank you very much and congratulations to the church 60th anniversary.
Thank you very much. And we will do our best to both celebrate in a good way and also then continue to lay the groundwork for a future for the Lutheran presence in the UK. From the very beginning, the Lutheran Church in Great Britain was formed of diverse personalities, which could sometimes make for interesting encounters, as longtime member Maria Lisa Morgan recalls. Lutherans in the UK living grace. So just give me a little background about um, how you you know how you came into the LCIGB. Like what was the beginning for you? Well, beginning was obviously when I came to St John's, and it was um, I was I had come to England. Uh, about a year before, and uh, I was looking for the Finnish church. I am from Finland, so um, the Finnish church was very far away in London for me. I had some friends, and uh, there was a Finnish girl who had an Iranian boyfriend, and we were going out to meet him somewhere, and we went past um, the cross the road, and she said, just by the way, that's, by the way, that's a Lutheran church. <laughs> and I said, oh, really? Well, interesting. And then I went away. And a couple of months later, I thought, hmm, I wonder what that church was like. So I uh, I took a Sunday and went there. I didn't, I didn't know. In those days, you didn't have internet or anything. You just went. And I was very early. And I, I stood outside and I thought, oh, there was a man standing outside. And I said, is this, this is a Lutheran church? And he said, yes. And nothing else. And didn't smile. And I thought, oh, goodness me. <laughs> uh, but um, then I thought, I said, what time is the service? And he said, well, it's 11. And it was about 10 o'clock now. So I went, went to the... Um, local park and walked around and I thought, mm, that doesn't sound too too friendly. But then I thought, no, I came here and I'm going to go in at 11. So I went at 11 and of course there were lots of people, they were all very welcoming. And I, I joined, that's when I joined the church, really. And I found later on, it, it was somebody from Eastern Europe that actually just didn't speak much English and, and didn't quite know how to deal with me. So, and he was quite quite a nice man in the end. But it's just his manner. It almost put me off, but then it, it didn't in the end. <laughs> That's good. Margaret Pickford reflects on the significance of being able to attend worship in English, growing up in Britain as a member of a multicultural family. She also has particular memories of joint Lutheran gatherings at Hothar Hall, a Georgian manor house in Northamptonshire, which was purchased by the church as a conference centre. I think I need to go back to the middle 50s, 1950s, because then um, we had weeks um, holiday camps set at Hothorpe, and the national churches all had a week. So the Poles would have a week, the Estonians would have a week, and so on. And it initially started out as just one week, then it developed into two weeks, then it developed into three weeks. So it was obviously very popular because um, people were able to send their children to summer camp because in the 60s people didn't really have holidays, people didn't go abroad, it wasn't the thing to do at that time, that didn't develop until much later. 
So what happened was that we had international camps where it was decided that we would have people, youngsters from the different national churches joining together. And that was a real time of excitement. And I don't know whether that idea came before the idea of having a United Synod. But the United Synod Church was then formed in 61. I didn't really go to church in the United Synod Church until I was about 14, which was about 64. So I had to catch two buses across Leicester and two buses back again. But it was a really exciting time because we were able to meet people from different nationalities and we could actually worship in English which was a really important stage for me. And we developed in Leicester a youth club that met on a Friday night. We used to have, um, I'd order bottles of pop, lemonade in little bottles with straws and packets of crisps and we used to meet every Friday night and just chat and, and play music and, and just talk about and put the world to rights and moan about parents and anything else that we wanted to do. <laughs> So essentially, sort of youth meetings. Yeah. And so your personal background is you were raised Lutheran or you were, you yes. were born into it? Or yes, my, my mother was Estonian, my father was Polish, but we followed the Estonian uh, tradition. So summer camp then, when we were little, um, consisted of learning Estonian language more than we did, because um, I spoke Estonian until I was about four, and then I learned English because my parents and grandparents came to England. Eventually they all managed to be able to, well, not, not purchase, but to be able to live in a house, a Victorian house with three levels. So my uncle and aunt were on one level, and that was very, very in Hainalaneot. Sibirva was my mother's sister. My grandparents lived on the, on the top floor, and there was also our family, parents and, and my sister. And when we have large family times together we were able to to speak and obviously worship but the thing was that not everybody could understand everybody else's language so my father was Polish so nobody else knew Polish he knew German but I didn't know German and neither did Mary um, but we sort of you pick it up sort of slightly my grandparents didn't really speak very good English my father was sort of okay with English and he improved, you know, obviously over the years. So it was, a, and, and my grandparents could speak Russian. So there were various languages, like United Nations going around the table. Um, and I, myself, because my mother went out to work and father was, was away, he was away during the week, came home at weekends. My grandparents looked after me and I spoke only Estonian. But the interesting thing was that when I went to nursery school, because in Estonian, when you, like, auntie, you would say daddy, and they would say, why is they calling all these women daddy? You know, they're not <laughs> daddies, they're, they're women. But anyway, obviously, I picked up English, and uh, there we go. So for you, it was a big deal to be able to find a place where you could actually worship in English. Yes. Yeah, in, in a Lutheran service. Yes, because I, I said that when I went to church, I didn't always understand what the minister was saying. And my mother said, don't worry, because nobody else understands either. <laughs> so 
yes, I needed something where I could understand what was being said. So if, if there hadn't been an English service, what would have been your pathway? What would have been your option? I don't know. I think, I think if the uh, United Synod hadn't been formed, I might have just drifted off. I don't know. It would have already depended whether I would have gone to the Church of England congregation or not. I don't know. It obviously was there at the right time for me. Lutherans in the UK, living grace. Although relatively small, the LCIGB became an inviting space for people from many backgrounds to gather. Bishop Emeritus Walter Yagutsky talks with Melis about the unique position of this church within the United Kingdom. Is it still appropriate to call it a migrant church or church of migrants and refugees? I, I wouldn't say so, migrants, because uh, obviously we serve now second generation of Lutherans from migrant uh, uh, families, or even third, like in my case, I got two grandchildren, and and uh, I'm, I don't consider myself a refugee. I was never a refugee. I was sent by Lutheran Church in Poland to come over to Britain in the 60s to serve Polish Lutherans who remained in this country. But the second generation, like I had a confirmation in Manchester only two weeks ago, I taught the kids a confirmation class in English because obviously that's the language which they use. What about British people? Should the Lutheran Church in Great Britain reach out to them or they are the territory of uh, Anglican and Episcopal Church? Well, the Christian responsibility is to everyone you meet, whoever they are, neighbors or people at work or, or in school or whatever, for the, for the young folk, for instance. My, my prime duty is to proclaim Jesus and, and the life of Jesus and what Christ did for me and for you and whoever you are Christ died for you on the cross and that's the core of a Lutheran understanding so of course I had in St. Luke's Lutheran Church which is uh, the English parish which I served for over 30 years People walked in and said, can, can I listen, can I learn who you are? I'm English, or I'm lapsed Anglican, or I'm lapsed Roman Catholic, but I'm still looking for a spiritual home. Then everyone is welcomed, and, uh, and we don't want to <laughs> make, make folk a little Lutherans. No, the duty is to make them to understand what Christianity is all about. Hence the saying, saying which is always true for Lutherans, to be a Lutheran means to be ecumenical. There are different Lutheran churches uh, in this country. The Germans uh, have organized uh, themselves. Finnish Lutheran Church is uh, present. Uh, Danish, uh, Swedish, well, all Nordic countries. Are there more groups? other nationalities to which the Lutheran Church in Great Britain could reach out? We'd, of course we did reach out to Eritreans, for instance, who, who were refugees about 20 years ago. We also reached out to uh, the Ethiopians, and I even ordained an Ethiopian young pastor. 
And the painful thing is that the LCGB has a policy regarding homosexuality, policy regarding mixed marriages, which is used the term liberal, and uh, those ch churches, those congregations simply left LCRGB because they couldn't understand that a homosexual person could take part in Eucharist or even be a pastor. So uh, that's a very painful thing, but we reached out to them. We tried to explain that Christ died for every, every single human being and one should never judge a person by, by his orientation, color of skin, or cultural allegiance, because uh, if you are part of the Lutheran Church or the Lutheran family, then the worship of Jesus is the main thing and service to any human being is, is another, as, as we're supposed to be in love of Christ, uh, brothers and sisters, to, to, to everyone. What will be the Lutheran Church in Great Britain when it celebrates its uh, 75th anniversary or the first 100th anniversary? Even if, if uh, LCRGB ceases to exist tomorrow, we did our job. And the job is to bring as many people to Jesus as much as we can. Thank you for this interview, Bishop Emeritus Walter Jagutski. And um, happy 60th anniversary to the LCHB. Thank you very much, Pastor Melis. I'm, I'm delighted that I could share this with you and folk who are going to listen. And I wish, I wish our little church to continue to grow in Christ and to serve humanity in this troubled world which we live. As we turn from past to present, here's student chaplain Tyler Inberg with some upcoming activities you won't want to miss. Happy autumn from the student chaplaincy at the International Lutheran Student Center. As we begin to put on more layers, spend more time inside with a blanket, a nice hot beverage, and a book or movie, the ILSC is excited to offer a few opportunities to meet with other international students, past and present, from Lutheran churches around the nation. In November, we'll be running two main events, a winter skating session at the Natural History Museum on Friday, November 5th at 6 p.m., and a holiday celebration on the afternoon and evening of Friday, November 19th. If you're free either Friday, the 5th or the 19th, we'd love to see you there. If you aren't already connected with us, make sure to follow us on our Facebook or Instagram account and sign up for our newsletter at www.ilscenter.org.uk to get the most updated information about what we're planning. And as always, if you ever have any questions, you can reach our team at chaplain at lutheran.org.uk. Can't wait to see you and hope everyone has an amazing October and November. And now, Anna reveals the answer to our fun Lutheran fact. The term Lutheran was first used by Johann Eck, one of Martin Luther's great opponents, to describe the group of Luther's followers and mark them as a heretical movement. It was not until the 1560s that Lutherans began to adopt the term. That way, they were able to distinguish between themselves and the other emerging Protestant churches. Mm -hmm.
Lutherans in the UK, Living Grace, is produced and presented by Tyler Inberg, Salla Kordeniemi, Anna Kraus, Wendy Shearer, Melis Sylt, Anna Vigari, and Emily Weller. Thank you for listening. And until next time, may God's peace be with you. Lutherans in the UK, Living Grace.